This episode is brought to you by Meow Wolf. Manifest unique family memories at Meow Wolf Denver. Quantum travel is the most comfortable way for Earthers of all ages to explore a playground of imagination. And why visit just once when this immersive experience reshapes every time you enter? C Street is my favorite because C Street has this vibe of like 80s dystopian. There's like slime coming down the walls and there's weird posters. And then of course, the secret club. With the annual Portal Pass, drop by Convergence Station as much as you want for less than the cost of two adult tickets. So if you plan to go twice, it's worth it. Plus, enjoy discounts, special offers, and so much more. Get the annual Portal Pass and spend quality space time with your favorite Earthers today. Learn more at MeowWolf.com. That's MeowWolf.com. Today on CityCast Denver. Good vibes in our streets, a better look at our housing market, and a preview of Taylor Swift's stop in Denver this weekend. Me and producer Paul Caroli are talking about all the local stories that matter this week. Plus, your thoughts on cops in schools and the hottest drinks of the summer. Today is Tuesday, July 11th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Good morning, Bree. Hi, Paul. So we're trying a new format on Tuesdays this week. We are. I'm so excited about it. We thought of this and we got like good ideas, good plans. I think this is going to be a better show. Thanks for sticking it out with us. <laughs> Those of you listeners that have been here since 2021? 2021? Yeah, 2021. You've really been through it with us. 600 apps. We've never said that before, but we've 600... done like a ton of these. Yeah, Paul, I don't know if you've done 600 of anything else, but I'm pretty sure I haven't. <laughs> I don't think I, maybe I wrote 600 articles for Westward, actually. Yeah. But that was over a 10-year period. Yeah. <laughs> that was not over a two and a half year period <laughs> of making the show 600 times, which is amazing. So all that to say, thank you. It's a joy. Thank it's you a for joy. being here and thank you for listening to us as we evolve. Well, so first up, we're going to kick things off with a vibe check because, you know, we can all agree vibes, the most important thing. 100%. Period. 100%. So what's up? Oh, man. Over the weekend, I went to the Lowrider Show and Shine outside of the Denver Art Museum, which is this incredible fair, festival gathering. There were lowriders lined up along the streets and which are just, they're beautiful works of art that you get to like see from all angles and you can talk to the folks who create, the artists who created them. Could you get in there? No, they are definitely like a no touch situation for, it's like a painting. Like you don't touch huh. the painting because they're hmm. so they're they're delicate things, right? Like the 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 headlining lowrider, it's I think it was called the climax, came out from California. So um friend of the show, Ben Chavez, organized this event uh with Damaris from uh Cafe Cultura uh, from uh, Cultura Chocolate. I'm sorry. Very cool. Yeah. And so he brought this guy out who's like they they literally bring a trailer to put the car back. You don't drive that. I was going to ask, yeah. Low right. You get dusty. Yeah, you don't drive it. And so, which is a weird thing to say about a car, but it really is about the showmanship, it's right? It's art now it's, at this point, like yeah. you said. Yeah, it's art. And so there was that happening. Um, DJ Cones was playing like amazing jams all day outside. There was food. There were great. Va- I saw so many of my favorite artists like who do like wearable art and like the Denver Made guys and 
um, my friend Alex Jimenez that runs this secondhand uh, sort of pop-up shop called Runner Up, like all these cool people I got to see in one place. And um, on top of that, I'll talk about this later. It, this was this was in conjunction with Desert Rider, Dreaming in Motion. The opening of the new exhibit at the dam. Yes. We've been looking forward to this. Oh my God, please go. If you just go, go see this show. I can't, ex- I, I am like speechless. I, I had to like take a step back and... And just like be in the moment. It was such a beautiful exhibition. It's so necessary. It's 50 years in the making. This is like what Chicano artists and activists have doing if or have been doing for the last 50 years have culminated in bringing these artists into these spaces and institutions that historically have not been welcoming to Chicano and indigenous artists, um, particularly. I could go on and on about it. It's such yeah, a beautiful we, show. We'll get into it more because I think we'll be talking about this. Yeah. I, I know there's a few conversations we have been wanting to have. We're but, not going to get into that part. No, no, no. But the other, yeah, I would say, okay, so going back outside the museum, yeah. something else that was cool that was happening. Okay. I was going to ask about the Viva Streets, Viva right? Streets was yeah. happening. and No cars in the streets except for the low riders outside the dam. Right. So this is like the juxtaposition, but also the beautiful harmony that can happen when we have conversations about pedestrian advocacy and safety, along with understanding car culture. So there are so many different types of cars, car drivers, reasons why people have cars. And lowriders are this great example of this unifying cultural ongoing cultural movement Mm -hmm. that is related to art and people. And so I love to see these things next to each other and sort of intersect. So there was like the, these, all these low riders, like you said, parked and people were hanging out. And then the Broadway was open to people only. And I I hoped, I I saw it as a a harmonious conversation between what I don't see often, which is the culture of cars is so much more than people that road rage and drive single occupant car drivers right. like that's who we think of we don't think of the people that are creating culture and community around cars so i love that so the vibe this sunday <sighs> was in one word how would you sum it up it was cruising i mean it was just like people cruising it was just like the cars weren't cruising themselves but you could see it, again desert rider dreaming in motion it was like so it just was a thing it sounds incredible it's how i felt and so <laughs> Yeah, I loved it. All right. Okay. Okay. We got to move on. Um, we got to get talk about the news. Of course. So uh, what what are Denverites talking about this week, Bree? This story from the Denver Post really caught my eye because it is about the thing that I think a lot of Denverites have been fretting over for the last decade and a half, which is housing cost, rent prices. So the Denver Post reported um, that... Denver metro apartment rent inflation has outstripped income gains by a higher margin than any other major city since 2009. So what does that mean? It means from 2009 to 2021, rent growth outpaced income growth. Rents were rising. Incomes were not. So you were not imagining that. Not as fast. Not as fast. But like, so there's a ton of numbers in this story, and I'm not going to talk about all of them (laughs) because numbers and audio is like horrific to listen to we'll put a link in the show notes yeah so you can read it more but it was like median rent in 2009 was at 856 dollars a month okay say that to anyone right now like are you that's crazy crazy to me that's crazy so from 856 dollars a month in 2009 to 1554 dollars in 2021 that's almost double so you all of you who have been (laughs) dealing with the rents here you're not imagining it it's real yeah, this is what's happening, and so I just—it just felt like validation. It felt like an unfortunate validation of what we've experienced, but it's real. It certainly is, Bree. 
But um, it's it's interesting. I had a very strong reaction to this article as well when I saw this over the weekend. I think you are focusing on the housing costs, which I think most people do when they see a story like this. It's like this. your biggest bill, right? It's what you think about. 100%. It's huge and it's a big problem. But what got me here is that this is the unusual housing story that p- put housing costs in comparison to income. And that's what actually matters in someone's life, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because housing, like what you want to spend in order to make sure you can do all the other things you want to do is like not too much of your income. Right. So this is also a story about Denver's incomes not rising to keep up with housing costs. Exactly. Which doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like it benefits. I mean, I guess for landlords, cool, you're you can ra- you can raise rents and raise rents and raise rents, but like I don't know, there's a point at which people just can't afford to be here anymore. Yeah. And then everything else suffers about the city. Yeah. We don't have the people filling the jobs that we need and we don't have the people living in city close neighborhoods who are doing the work that keeps the city going. And like, it just seems like a lose-lose to me. Yeah. we All of those pieces need to be there and there need to be jobs. Right. There need to be jobs that pay well. Right. That's a huge... No, I agree with you, Paul. This is as much a conversation, like you're saying, about incomes not getting there as much as rents just skyrocketing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's there's a, a thing I saw over the weekend that we haven't talked about yet. I know you're going to have some thoughts on this, and it's definitely part of this conversation. The Mercury Cafe, n- new owner, Danny Newman, yeah. took over maybe two years ago. Yeah. I saw their workers are unionizing. Oh. They're asking for his recognition. How do you feel like that fits in the story about rents and incomes? Rise in worker power when workers are not um, getting their basic needs met they're looking to more and more ways to consolidate their own power because in the power structure of boss to employee, the boss always has the upper hand. And so the only way often that that people in the labor world can get that power or at least, you know, have a have a seat at the table is by banding together and asking for better pay, you know, protections or, you know, better access to benefits i mean all work hours it can yeah. it can really be all these things but i i hope that um that conversation happens between danny and his employees i do too i do too i think if you're feeling a pinch from rents maybe organizing at your workplace because yeah, we've seen be it. an interesting way to make Me- your life better meow wolf starbucks king supers i mean who hasn't gone to the grocery store or gotten coffee in the last year? <laughs> These oh are all God. things that, and then Meow Wolf is a little bit broader, but that's really also a conversation. That's a whole other story about artists gaining power in a way they've never had before. So, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's go to a quick break and then we're going to come back and we've got some really excellent feedback on some recent episodes. I can't wait to share. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with GlobalX ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. He just can't miss tonight. 
Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're back. We're talking about what you are talking about, our dear listeners. So um, we always want to hear from you. You can shoot us an email, denver at citycast.fm. It's my favorite part of the show. It is my favorite part, too. I love hearing from you all. You can also leave us a voicemail. We love voicemails. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Call us anytime, 720-500-5418. And let us know. Maybe it was an episode we did two weeks ago that you've just been stewing on. (laughs) That happens to me sometimes. Same, same. We are game. We want to hear from you. So something we heard a lot of feedback on was this, uh, this conversation we had with School Board Director Ante Anderson about uh, SROs or school resource officers being introduced back into schools. This was a long and tumultuous conversation um, over the course of like a year, two years, three Yeah, years? 2020 was when the board voted to remove SROs right in the middle of the George Floyd protests. And then about a month ago, they voted to send them back. Yes. And this, I think, was in light of a couple of shootings that happened at East High School in particular, but in general, school safety. Um, So we had Director Anderson on to talk about this from a couple perspectives, right? Like one, he's he's a board member. He's in he's in the room when these conversations are happening. He's part of the decision making process. He's also probably the, the loudest voice from the board, the school board about the SRO conversation and that he was a really big supporter of removing them from schools. So them coming back into schools after that vote was why we wanted to talk to him. And a lot of you had feelings and thoughts about that conversation that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I guess maybe should we update like where we there are exactly? Okay. Do you want to share where we are so far, Paul? Yeah. It's not so much of an update as much as like some details about how it's going to look when police go back into schools this fall because superintendent Alex Marrero, he published his comprehensive school safety plan. Um, which the board had called for after those shootings you mentioned. And this includes armed police returning to 13 large high schools um, where they were temporarily authorized to be already this spring and just that short-term period when this conversation first started kicking back up again. Um, Denverite reports that DPS is going to take a collaborative approach with DPD to develop guidelines on how those officers are going to be there. And like, I assume, you know, everything else you might want to know about that. Um, So there's still some stuff to work to be worked out. And uh, it says that Marrero is also planning on working with the new mayor's office once mayor-elect Mike Johnston is inaugurated next Monday, the 17th. I'll be interested to see how that goes, too, because we talk about this a lot. There's a lot of things the mayor is not in charge of, right? Mm -hmm. He is not in charge of DPS, but he is the leader of our city. So I see where uh, Superintendent Marrero is probably like, hey... Let's talk to the big boss. Yeah. And I mean, also, yeah, he used to be a principal. Uh, yeah, He's an education say, guy. He knows this stuff. I would want to hear what he thinks. I agree. I was going to say Mike's uh, previous experience would make him perfect, a perfect candidate for this conversation. So, yeah. um, but let's, let's hear, I want to hear from our yes. listeners. What did our listeners have to say about this SRO's conversation, Paul? Well, um, we had a few people write in with similar thoughts. I'll read one 
uh, comment from a listener named Brian W. He writes, just heard your podcast with Tay Anderson, who he goes by Aonte now. Yes. And I think it's appropriate to use his, the name he chooses. Absolutely. As we've done. Um, Brian W. says, where's the other side of the SRO issue? It's so, quote, controversial, but you only tell the most extreme school board member's position. Four people on that board had another opinion, but apparently they don't count. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Call out for sure. Um, the reason we went with Aonte, we don't often do both sides. I think that's a fair thing to say, right, Paul? We definitely do sometimes, but not always. Not always. I mean, there's always more sides also. Absolutely. This is a multi-sided conversation, <laughs> a conversation for sure. Um, but if we want to talk about who is the most vocal member of the school board, there's no denying that it's Auntie Anderson. He owned this issue. Absolutely. He championed this change. He made it happen. This was maybe his biggest achievement on the school board. And now he's decided he's running for higher office. I, we had to hear him talk about what it felt like and what the process was like. Also, we saw him on Twitter just absolutely sounding off on like the conversations with the mayor and the superintendent. Like... We needed to know, and he was ready to talk. Yeah, so Brian, I just want you to know that's what goes into how we decide sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes a guest falls in our lap and says, I want to talk about this thing, and we we talk to them. But um, this happened to be the person that we saw having the most, the biggest conversation about it, like you said, who was the biggest supporter of this massive change to DPS. So that's the reason we went the direction we went. Yeah. But thank you for bringing that up. We appreciate it. And I do take your point uh, well, and I acted on it because we got yes. another piece of feedback from uh, someone who identifies as an educator in DPS. I won't say any more details about this person, Yeah. Um, but uh, they offered this alternate perspective. So we didn't talk to the other people on the school board, but I talked to somebody who has pretty strong feelings about SROs and felt pretty good about bringing them back, at least the vote to bring them back. And, and this was what a it's teacher. Look like. this, this is, is a someone, teacher. This is someone who deals with the implementations of the school board's decisions every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they say their frustration is with how people misunderstand schools. So they say schools are a microcosm of society, which means that sometimes crimes, I mean, we don't call them crimes in schools, happen. And sometimes there's situations that arise where you might want some help from someone trained as a police officer. So it is, in their opinion, inevitable that a police officer will be at a school. Maybe you call them in, maybe they're just there and something happens, I don't know. But you know, that's, that's their perspective and those things do happen. Like we knew when SROs weren't in schools, there, there were still calls going out to the police department, send an officer to this high school and come help out with this situation. That was happening. So the point this person wanted to make was the question is not should cops be in schools or not. It's who do you want to be at the school? Do you want the SRO who has the relationship with the students who's there every day, who was a, uh, a woman of color as this educator's SRO was? Or do you want the random officer who gets the call from the school and just is like on duty that day? So that's how they frame this issue. And I thought that was a pretty compelling counterpoint. Also, if you've ever talked to an adult that doesn't talk to teenagers regularly and then they try to talk to a teenager. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're watching aliens talk to humans. Like it's so awkward and weird. So not like just socially 
a police officer, this person's argument is like someone who's in the school environment and the school culture every day has a better understanding of what the students are going through and yeah. like maybe why the situation played out with a student or why this, you know, whatever they're dealing with happened, this this police officer will have a backstory. Yeah. Um, I also just want to point, I'm a graduate of DPS. I'm mm-hmm. a graduate of a DPS high school that had police on site and uh, I was a high school journalist that was part of an investigative team that... <laughs> investigated whether uh, we thought our police officers were doing anything. Yeah. What, in our what, high school you, in 1996, the they were doing absolutely nothing. Oh. We recorded them doing nothing <laughs> a lot. Hmm. So things maybe have changed quite a bit from 20 years ago, yeah. but um, I appreciated this perspective. I'm coming from a student perspective 20 years ago. This is a teacher that's in these buildings right now. Yeah. So they know. Yeah. Who else did we hear from? Uh, we heard some really, really good feedback on our episode this past Friday where we talked about beverages with our producer, Olivia. Yeah. Um, one one I want to have, I want to hear what you think about. Um, this was from Twitter, a user named Denver Luna. Uh, we're not on threads yet, by the way. I, know, I don't know if we're I going know. to. You know me, Paul. You know us podcaster people. I had to listen to like six podcast commentaries Same, about yeah. threads this weekend uh-huh. before I've decided if I'm going to get on threads. Uh, you know, 100 million people have signed up. I did. That's also made me not want to be there. <laughs> really? I was like, okay. I like my little weird corner, even though my weird corner is now spammed all the time <laughs> on Twitter. I don't want to be in a Zuckerberg universe. I like actively try to avoid it. But anyway, I'm maybe we'll be on threads. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Okay. For we also record. didn't get, did you get an invite to Blue Sky? I no. Didn't. Okay. That's Whatever. all. That's another Whatever. story. That's, that's our tech different podcast. Show. Different show. <laughs> um, anyway, a Twitter user named Denver Luna uh, offered a comment and said, um, Kratom or Kratom. And so they're referencing the Westward story about the rise of Kava and Kratom that we talked about very briefly. They say, Kratom actually saved my life from a 15-year opiate addiction. I wouldn't be here today without that substance. There's so much more to it than what was discussed. For people that can't get access to that treatment, to MAT treatment, Kratom can be a lifesaver for some. Yeah. So thank you for reaching out and sharing that perspective i would say i was a little bit hesitant for us to touch on the kratom part of this story because we were really focused on kava i'm kind of confused as to why these two things are also lumped together often it might be around how they're introduced where they're sold that i think I, it might be the same active ingredient really yeah or like there's something similar about the the way you make it or like the materials I obviously also don't know. Yeah. And I'm glad we didn't get too far into it. I am too. And I, I kind of wish we didn't touch on it at all because we don't have the backstory. What I will say is where my perspective comes from is a person who's in recovery for 17 years, also a person that uh, walked a family member through a home detox of heroin. Uh, opiate addiction is really serious. And um, harm reduction is means... Um, doing things to keep yourself alive from day to day. And it sounds like for this person, Kratom was that that thing that helped yeah. them get out of opiate addiction. I will say I have a friend whose um, family member is in treatment right now for addiction to Kratom. So Interesting. I don't know enough about it. That's the hmm. one experience I was sort of going off of. So I appreciate this perspective a lot. And I, I would love for us to do a little bit more digging and figure out what Kratom is and is Denver the place that it's going to be happening? Let me hit you with another one. This listener uh, texts, Hi, CityCast, longtime listener, first time texter, texting in about drink of choice. 
I can't drink coffee due to gut issues. And I found Rasa, a Boulder-based company, to be a great coffee alternative. Great flavor, coffee vibes, has chicory in it. I love it. I also don't drink alcohol, so if I'm out, I like to have a ginger beer with lime juice, virgin Moscow mule. Oh, love that. Great tips. Yes. Ginger beer, good ginger beer. It's got that really spicy bite to it. Mm. Oof. Little lime juice. This is a great idea. Again, bars, take note. You can make awesome virgin drinks pretty easily. Uh, that's a great, great recommendation. I want to go have a ginger beer. I Thanks. love it. Mm -hmm. Ready you. for another one? Yeah. Hi, uh, this is Josh Keene from Centennial, and you asked me to tell you what my uh, favorite new beverage is. And I've been drinking coffee, cold brew coffee, with lemonade in it, and I am totally hooked. It started from a, a recommendation from the Starbucks app, say, try this, and I thought, gross. Um, but I tried it, and the second time I tried it, it was pretty good, and I've been hooked ever since. Now I'm brewing cold brew at home, mixing in a couple fingers of lemonade, and it is great. Our producer, Olivia, is confirming this is, in fact, a thing. But Brie, you're horrified. It's like acid on acid. Like, yeah, <laughs> that sounds after so that, brutal. Says. <laughs> I thank you, listener. I I don't know if I could do my coffee that dirty. <laughs> I don't know if I could be that. I, it's cream and sugar to me. Come on. Anyway, interesting. I can't wait to try Let's it. Let's try it. Uh, that actually is a great segue to our last segment. Okay. So we that we wanted to end each Tuesday show with a question for you all, because we want to hear more of these great opinions yes. and learn new things from you. Um, so if you have any thoughts or feedback on anything we've talked about, or if you have an answer to this question, uh, leave us a voicemail or text at 720-500-5418. That number is also in the show notes. But here's the question. Bree, did you know... There's just going to be a little prelude. I have to tell a little story here. Did you know that the Taylor Swift Eras Tour is coming through Denver this weekend? It is? She sold out Empower Field Friday and Mon uh, and Saturday. That's it? What do you mean that's it? That's 150,000 seats. I mean, Garth Brooks does nine days in a row. I think she's getting there. <laughs> I'm not talking down to her. I didn't expect I'm just, that at all. I'm surprised because I think folks will travel from other places because yeah. like, a lot of my friends went to other shows already, not, you know, like they got Vegas show tickets or right, whatever. Right. So It's a huge tour. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Um, I love this for Taylor Swift. I love this for women. I do. I love this for women in music. Like people, she's had a hard road in terms of how critical people are of her. And like, sorry, who else is selling out two days in Empower Field? Not that many people. Yeah, she's kind of crushing it. So what's your question, Paul? Well, my question is based on a supposition because I noticed that, well, two things. One, John Mayer played with Dead & Co. in Boulder two weeks ago. John mm. Mayer... Well known to be a former boyfriend of Taylor Swift. Hey, you know what? It's all copy, whatever they say. Whatever Nora Ephron whatever Nora Ephron said, your whole life is copy. He was he was a part of her story. He was. He was. And she just recently re-released her album with the song about him on it. So she was addressing this. He was in Boulder. She's gonna be in Denver. Maybe she comes a little early. Maybe he stays a little late. Maybe they meet for dinner. I could see them reconciling, having a conversation. Where here's my question. Where would you expect to see Taylor Swift and John Mayer get dinner in Denver this weekend? I'm ignoring the fact that you don't understand how tour schedules work. Oh, does this not at all possible? No. 
But okay, Taylor Lautner. Sorry, producer, producer Olivia, Olivia is giving some information that's really important. The Taylor Lautner what, apparently showed up to Taylor's Kansas City show. He was addressed on the album that came out around then. Or, but he's an actor, right? I he's don't not know. busy. You're saying John might be. busy. John might be. I don't know if he's on a tour or if he was just doing a one-off. But Taylor's definitely not hanging around. She's on a tour, so she's got a tour schedule. I think like, he would accommodate her. I mean, we'll see where would she- they go to dinner? Studio City. It's gonna be fancier than Studio City. What's like the? Where's Peyton? I need Peyton. Tavernetta. Yeah, I was like, whatever. Frasca. The, Frasca. That's what I was like. What's Frasca. the most fanciest? I could see them in Frasca. Or somewhere like Sushi Den, where you might be able to have a little quiet area. I mean, she, wherever Taylor is eating dinner, they're probably renting out the whole restaurant. Probably. Because she wouldn't be able to like function. No one would leave her alone. You know what I mean? Uh, like she's the, probably the top 10 most famous people in the world in oh, yeah. 2023, oh, right? Yeah. For sure. So, but I would say I would say sushi then. That would be my But I don't know if she likes sushi. Oh my god, Tate, all you Swifties out there, I'm so sorry. My best friend Robin's a Swiftie. I should just ask her, she would know. Ask her. I will. Ask her and we'll get her take and if you want to weigh in on I'm gonna, the question, let's make her of the week, call in. <laughs> You can text or leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood and your restaurant pick for Taylor and John at the uh, Taylor Swift Eras Tour hotline. It's 720-500-5418. Again, that's 720-500-5418. Oh, I want to hear from our Swifties in Colorado. I'm so curious. I really am. I I love devoted music fans. I don't care what you're into. If you're into music that hard, I respect you. Any recommendations from our Swifties out there? Where do I start? I'm a Taylor Swift noob. Where? What album do I begin with? I see like Olivia's in the corner like thinking about well, I'm going to think on that one too. We'll talk about that. Okay. We'll talk about that. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Well, um, thanks for this little chat, Paul. Yeah, you too, Brie. See ya. See ya. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed this show, why not take a minute to tell Taylor Swift about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. Yeah, I was listening to that new album all weekend. It's great.